You're listening to the Woman of Value podcast. You are about to hear the story of a woman who is following her dreams and passions and creating positive change in the world. My people want to feel acknowledged. They want to feel connected. They want to feel important. So I can wrap that into my marketing and they go, she understands me and we've never had a conversation. I need to reach out to her. Welcome back to the Women of Value podcast. My guest today is Julie Fouch. She decided she needed to take her coaching business seriously and hired a high-end coach, and she learned to market like a man. She doubled and then tripled her income in less than a year, but she felt drained, uninspired, and restless. So she got creative, and she created a new way of working that aligned with her as a woman and she calls it the art of feminine marketing. Today, she teaches female coaches, teachers, and healers how to build their six-figure businesses through the art of feminine marketing. She received her coach certification from the Coaches Training Institute, which is where I trained as well, and she has served on the boards of many nonprofits. She was also named the Woman of the Year by the Professional Women's Network of the Monterey Peninsula in 2013. She's married to the love of her life. She has four kids, two stepkids, two furry babies, and seven spoiled grandchildren, soon to be eight, right? Right. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Julie. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Me too, a fellow CTI certified coach. Uh, It's, Uh, you know, it's a great great, school. Great school. And it's to me, like when I hear that somebody else is a graduate, I know that they have a higher degree of coaching um, professionalism. You know, it's a, it's a really rigorous program and it was so invaluable to me. And so it's an honor to meet a fellow certified coach. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. I remember during the training at one point going, oh, all of a sudden we all just became coaches. And it was like, <laughs> now what? <laughs> Like we went from being tentative and wondering what we were doing to stepping into a degree of mastery that of course, for me, it was um, quite a while ago. (laughs) I don't even want to say how long. And so that, that mastery continues, but I think with CTI, I I would totally recommend it. It it was a really, um, it was a very rigorous program, as you said, and I love the skills I picked up. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you just sort of pulled them out. I know that, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a dating coach and a, and a woman's empowerment coach, but that all these skills come in handy, uh, especially being able to find people's values and being able to process, that's a big one for me, is being able to process emotions and all the stuff that's going on. And we're taping this during COVID and Boy, do we need to know how to process right now. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of processing for people right now. But I think that, that it's given us this opportunity. Um, you know, when COVID first started, um, I had this image of Mama Earth just kind of coming apart and cracking open. And then the, the protests started and, and, you know, can the protests continue? And then there's all kinds of other stuff now going on along with that. And I just went through a big deal here in California with the wildfires. And, you know, we were, we were on the edge. We were watching the fire one night 
coming towards our house and ready to go. And it feels like um, there's this huge unraveling happening of everything that we've known. Um, I have a teacher who calls it the great awakening. And it is that place where as a human, the human beings, the <laughs> all of us here, we are in a place of needing to choose how we want to go forward and what do we want the world to look like. And I believe that's being led by women. Um, I believe that, you know, we've been hearing about the feminine rising up, which by the way, the feminine doesn't rise. Another teacher taught me this, the feminine widens and deepens, the masculine rises, but as the feminine comes more into the planet and more into the being, um, as women, we lead the forefront of what kind of world do we want to leave our children and grandchildren? And um, I think that's kind of the basis of both our work here. I, I agree with you. I love the idea of the Great Awakening. I think that um, what, the one thing that's constant is change. The one thing that we know will happen is things <laughs> will not stay the same. And so being able to be resilient through big changes in our lives is huge. And the people who are able to be creative and, and look at it as an opportunity instead of an obstacle are the ones who will thrive when big change happens. So we're finding, you know, when, when the fire rubber hits the road, who, who's, who's, uh, who's really dealing well and who's not. Um, but we always start the podcast with a, what does woman of value mean to you? And I think you sort of started saying it, but I would love to hear your, your definition. Well, that's a really interesting question because I think all women have value, right? I think all humans have value. Even those that we hugely disagree with, there's a value. And the value is that we are all created from the same material. We're all created from source, source energy. And I look at source energy as just pure love. So if we're all created from pure love, then we all have pure love in us. And that's the highest value. Now, the cool thing is because we're all created of source energy and we're all created of that, that love energy, we can actually tap into that and create what we want in our lives. Um, as long as it aligns with our truth, which is love. Part of what's happening is we've run on this um, idea of I can have what my ego wants, what my human head thinks it needs versus what my soul knows is mine to have in this, this planet. And when we all return to what my soul knows, that's when we work in harmony with each other. So returning to this space of source is where we actually change the world. And all women have, and men, have access to that. So how do we access that? That's a big question, but <laughs> it's like all you got to do is tap in. And most people don't even know they're responding from ego. You know, that the very basic, there's tons of things you can do and, you know, tons of modalities out there um, and practices. But the most simple one is to ask, what decision is the highest love decision? Which decision 
comes from the highest love, which will bring most love to my business, my life, the planet. And even when I was going through my divorce, um, I remember I was tapping into meditation and I was told, come from love. Now, I'm not perfect, <laughs> I didn't always. <laughs> <laughs> and there were moments where I came from fear and I came from, you know, well, fear. Um, but trying to walk that path of does this come from love? And I think that's the basis. Like we're either coming from fear or love. So choose love as often as you can. I love that. I, I, with my dating coaching clients, I do that exercise with them because I see that even choosing meals, what you're eating, what you're putting into your body is often out of fear um, or mm -hmm. punishment or deprivation instead of I'm honoring and loving the body that I have. And it, just changing that consciousness with all the decisions we make in our lives is it's so profound and feels so simple, but we don't realize how much of our decision-making comes from a place of lack and fear. Yeah. And it comes from our head. You know, your head is not designed to make decisions. Um, decision-making is made in the body and your head is just designed to collect and store data and sort data for you. That's all your head is supposed to do. But we've been taught in our society that anything below the head is like worthless, shut it off. Don't think about it, don't talk about it. Only be in your head, make pro and con less. And you know, really your body knows. So even in, in choosing food, like sometimes I'll be like, oh my God, chocolate chip cookies. And I can just feel everything in my body. My, my ego, my head goes, yes, chocolate chip cookies. And everything in my body just kind of like, Ugh. and I can feel myself kind of like, and that's a simple one, but I do that in my business too. You know, do, do I, do I want to build a new funnel? And my body goes, no. Um, do I want to jump on and do a podcast and meet somebody like you? Yes. <laughs> that feels like fun. Right. So um, I follow that pathway in my body around making decisions. Such an important point that we divorce ourselves so to speak from the rest of our body we just function from the head up and i see it in the dating world it really affects how we show up on dates that we're all in our masculine energy and we'll be talking more about that um the, the masculine versus the feminine the masculine is the like the driver and the you know when when i ask a woman what are the five adjectives that would describe you they're often i am a good goal setter and, you know, I keep good lists and I'm a good planner. And I'm like, yeah, great. How, do, how does that affect your relationships? You know, that's great for getting things done. And so we, we know how to survive with our head. But if we want to really thrive, we need to include our body in all those decisions, right? Yeah. Well, and here's the thing about it that people don't get is that the masculine our, and we hold in our bodies both feminine and masculine, but our masculine is designed to serve the feminine. So if you think about it like a riverbed, if 
you and the, the feminine is the water. If you have no banks on the river, you're just flooding everywhere with your feminine. You know, you're sitting around all day in meditation and um, you're doing really good meditation work, right? And, but you're not taking any actions, then you're not going anywhere. And if you've just got the, the riverbanks, so you've got your lists and you've got your to-dos and you can get it all done and boom, 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 there's none of the feminine, there's none of the, the creativity, the collaboration, there's no new ideas being generated because that all happens in the feminine. So you've got to have the dance and it comes first from the feminine. It comes first from, from um, being able to tap into your creative. Um, and I, I use, um, you know, guided meditation. I'm learning to read the Akashic records. You know, I tap in and have conversations with my highest self. Um, so I use all of that in my creative and, and Martha Beck calls it the dream space. So you have to allow time for the dream space. And then once the idea is formed in the spiritual plane, right, but it's not here on the physical yet, then the masculine can come in. That's where lists and goal settings come in because the masculine is hungry to serve the feminine. And the masculine comes in and says, I will take this idea and I will make it concrete in the physical world for you. And the two of them together is where the real juiciness happens. And even in your world with, with dating, you know, it's like guys love it when women are fully in their body and really enjoying it. Like that for them is the sweet spot. They want to serve the feminine. Um, and, and we have to allow. And what happens when we don't allow that dance to happen is the masculine drops into low, lower energy and becomes a bully. And then we are pushing ourselves and bullying ourselves and beating ourselves up because even though I got a list done this long, I still have five things over here I didn't do, right? That's where we get into, uh, you know, adrenal fatigue, chronic illnesses, cancers, um, exhaustion. That all happens because we're just bullying ourselves with our masculine. So it's great that women have learned. I'll stop talking in a minute, but <laughs> I can just keep going on this stuff. It's, it's great that women have learned the masculine skills, and now it's time for us to bring the feminine back in because the masculine really needs the feminine. And when you have the two of them aligned together, then we all elevate together. But if the masculine's on top, then the masculine's just a bully pushing the feminine down. Yeah, that's interesting the way you described it. I, I think that's very well said. And I think a lot of people who aren't familiar with these terms are, are you know, may, may have been thinking that you're talking about a man and a woman. And you're talking about energy within a person, correct? Yes. And, you know, everybody has the masculine and feminine in them. But I also see this place where it plays out. We can watch it play out in our life. You can see how your inner masculine and feminine are by watching how it plays out in your relationships. So when um, my husband first came in, my current husband came in and started helping with my business, and um, he pretty much edits everything that goes out. He's, he's become my, my copywriter. Not my copywriter, because I write, but he's the, the editor of everything. It was hard for me because I was used to doing it all, 
like, and I had to like let a man copy my like red line everything. Um, <laughs> and I, I really had to lean into that, that this was of service to me and um, that it was okay to ask, you know, even asking. We want, right? We desire, we can feel it in our body, but we're afraid to ask. We're afraid to, to even let, well, for instance, one of the exercises I'll give my women is if you want to receive more, I work in business, you work in love relationships, but if you want to receive more, you have to be willing to ask for what you want. When they ask you at the grocery store, can I help you out? Say yes. Like you'll learn so much about your ability to receive by letting someone carry your groceries to the car. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because that is a huge issue for, for women in general. I think for everybody, you know, it's, I think we have a lot of very indirect communicators out there who are passive aggressive or aggressive or passive and not direct and being able to be vulnerable enough, vulnerable enough to ask for what we want. Often the problem I see is that people are so attached to the outcome that the answer has to be yes and anything else is unacceptable so what if they say no or what if they give me an answer i don't want and then what do i do with that and so it's so like i'm splayed wide open but i'm also trying to control the outcome <laughs> it's like i i see with so many of my clients and i certainly grew up in the mind reading um way of of being it's like <laughs> if they love me they would know that already but no that's not true and I am actually talking about this in my monthly program. It's called the Woman of Value Club, where we talk about these topics every month because they're really important. So we're talking about how to have those difficult conversations because people avoid them until they get so bad that they, a lot of people will just bail on a relationship because they haven't asked for what they want. And often when you do, you're really shocked at the answer, like pleasantly shocked pleasantly surprised mm -hmm. that the person would love to give you what you want but they had no idea do you find because i'm finding also that women are not really aware of what they want like we've been so conditioned to read everybody's mind please everybody else that when i say to women well what do you desire it's like um <laughs> Or I'll hear this a lot. Well, I don't need much. And it's like, that wasn't the question. You know, source God, the universe wants you to live a wildly abundant, juicy life. Takes a lot of resources to do that. So what do you really want? Because those soul desires are meant to be yours. So let's make them happen. But first it takes finding the desire. And, and I'm finding a lot of women don't even know what they desire. I think we have suppressed our desires because we don't think we can get what we want. I certainly did that. I did that when I married my husband. You know, I, I thought that the love that I was seeking was too much. It was mm -hmm. something unattainable. It was a fairy tale. And so accept what is because it checks a lot of boxes, you know. And so when you look at life that way and you think this is as good as it gets, you know, and 
this business that I'm in, it's as good as it gets. Instead of opening up and expanding into what could be if you dreamed, but again, it's the fear of falling, fear of not getting, fear of I have an outcome I'm thinking about, but it's not possible because I, if I go for it and I don't get it, then that's failure. And that kept me stuck most of my life, you know, until I really became a coach and started doing this work. I never did public speaking because what if people criticize me? I didn't go for the dream because what if it doesn't happen? What if I get too big and I don't know how to get support? You know, it's all these what ifs yeah. stopping us from dreaming and then doing. So that's like the, the, the masculine and the feminine again, the feminine dreaming bigger and the masculine getting it done. You know, and it's like we need that marriage of the two and not to suppress what yeah. we want. Yeah. And, and the feminine, if the masculine at its lowest is a bully, the feminine at, at the lowest is manipulative. And so one of the things you can ask yourself is, am I being really direct and asking for what I want or am I trying to manipulate things to get what I want? Because if I'm trying to manipulate, then I'm going to be less successful because I'm in my lower feminine energy. If I'm being direct, and, and I will tell you, if you are being direct and you are you know your soul desire and you ask for it directly. You may not get it in the way you wanted, but your chances of getting it are much, much higher. And you have to be open to this person saying no, because they may not be the right person to give it to you, but someone will be. And so you just keep asking. It's like, you know, I'm having a big party. Want to come? No? Okay. I'm having a big party. Want to come? No. Okay. I'm having a big, oh, you want to come and bring 15 friends. Great. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and knowing your true desires. So there's this level of desire that's like, um, you know, I want a new car because the Joneses have a new car or I desire for a long time. I wanted to make a dollar more a month than my ex-husband, just a dollar. Right. <laughs> And, and that desire was hooked up with fear and revenge, right? But when it's a clear desire um, that doesn't have any of those hooks in it, that's where the universe or source can start answering you back with yeses. That's where the path, and it's the deep desire. You know, I don't want a new car. I want a car that's reliable and pretty, and I can drive my granddaughters around in it. Oh, then it shows up. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, because the, buying the car was really um, one of those places where I was very direct with what I wanted, um, because I had I had driven cars and I knew what the, what I wanted. And I looked, I sat down, and I I went through and I looked at all the features and I figured out exactly what it was that would make me happy. And um, <laughs> we were driving back from Southern California. I had to be on a plane early the next morning and I decided that was the day that I was going to get a car because we had just gotten word that my my old car my husband had driving needed just another $200 fix which we've been doing every month and I was like not doing it buying a car today he's like we have a 12-hour drive you're doing what I'm like buying a car today or an eight-hour drive and I was on the phone with two dealers and one guy was like, well, does it have to be blue? And I was like, yeah, it has to be blue. It's like, well, we've got a really pretty gray one. I'm like, no, nope, it has to be blue. Like I knew exactly what I wanted, had to have certain features. I bought the car, picked it up 
at night in the dark, drove it home, parked it on my lawn, got on an airplane, went to New Orleans for two weeks. Didn't see the car for two weeks. <laughs> and when I got home, I was so excited because it was exactly what I wanted there waiting for me. But it was because I asked, because I really dug in. I said, what is it that I really want? What's the, the reason that I want it? What's under that? What's under that? And then I asked for it and I didn't settle. And I ended up going to another dealership because the first one, the one close to home, couldn't get me what I wanted. And the man that I was talking to tried to convince me that what I said I wanted wasn't what I wanted, but I was clear. So when you're clear with your desires, then you find a way. Mm -hmm. And you don't get upset when somebody pushes back, you realize, wow, they're really trying to push my boundaries here. That's not cool. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, it's so wise what you're saying. It's, uh, I think that when we have that degree of clarity, we know our purpose, our why behind it. That's so important. And the why becomes more important than the fear. You know, the, the, the fear of, of that, what if I don't get it? You know, you know, this is important to me. That fear mentality is, I have to take it all. And then yeah. you're overwhelmed and filled up with stuff that's not good for you, you know, and, and knowing that you let go of that one and then the right one comes in. And I have found that to be true throughout my, my career. Yeah. Well, and when you take the wrong one, you're not doing them a service either. No, no. It's just, it's it, your clients are your clients and you just take yours and sometimes you help them find the right people. Mm -hmm. Um, that that are right for them sometimes you just let them go and say i'm not the right coach for you and i totally recognize that um yeah i can't help you with this and yeah. it can be heartbreaking right because you're like i want to but i know that you're not yeah. the right person and then the other thing is as as business women sometimes we feel that this is the right person for us but we want it for them more than they want it yeah and so then we make all kinds of concessions and that doesn't serve them either. They yeah. have to, they have to decide and be a choice. Yeah, very true. These were all lessons I had to learn. Let's actually back up a little bit. We talked <laughs> at the very beginning. I know we're getting into this juicy conversation, but I want to hear about like, what was that aha moment that had you switch from the marketing, um, unless there's another aha moment you want to share, but a big moment where you really realized you had to step more fully into who you were as a woman? Well, for me, um, I'm pretty human. Like I have, I have pretty healthy ego stance. So I was working my business. Um, I was really close to my first six figure year and I was getting these little nudges that something was off, something was off. And of course I was ignoring them because I'm stubborn. And um, I was, I was at a stoplight and I got rear-ended and it wasn't the first hit. It was the second hit, right? That really screwed my back up. And I went from working 12 hour days to barely being able to function for three hours a day. Um, and I would do a client call and then I'd lay down on ice and get up and do a client call and go back and do the ice and the, the heat. And, um, 
that my my six figure year slipped away. I mean, it was it was like October and I had to make another, you know, six thousand dollars and I'd have my first six figure year. I was really close. Um, and then all of a sudden I couldn't work like that. And during the the times, those still times, I began to hear this voice saying, there is a different way. There's a better way for women to do business. This is not sustainable what you're doing. At the same time, I had joined a networking group of six and seven figure um, business leaders in self-development coaching world who were talking about the state of our industry and what needed to change in our industry. And woman after woman that I met said, you know, I built a multi six figure business and had adrenal fatigue and crashed. I built a seven figure business and got cancer. Um, one woman that I met fabulous, had built a multi seven figure business and then came home from a speaking gig one day and couldn't get out of the car. Literally had exhausted herself to the point where she couldn't walk up her driveway and into her house and her husband had to come carry her in the house. She spent several months in bed after that. And, and so while the voice was dropping in and saying there's a different way, I was also being shown these examples of women who had pushed beyond and I just started to listen. I started to put back my practices of meditation and being in dream time and being on mama earth and walking and um, reading tarot cards. And that all started to wrap back in. And I remember the day that I came out of the closet and I, um, cause I had been marketing myself as the kick-ass biz coach right? Very masculine energy. And people would meet me and there would be this kind of disconnect because I don't present as the kick-ass biz coach, right? Um, and so there would be this disconnect. And I know that was keeping business from me. But then I wrote an email and I said, you know, I'm coming out of the closet. And sometimes on my coaching calls, I will pull a tarot card. And I cried. I sat there and cried because I thought I'd blown up my business by revealing the woo-woo side of me. Um, but what happened is, as I leaned more into who I am, you know, as I put my practices back in, as I pr started practicing, um, you know, my meditation practices and my magic practices, my business grew but it grew with ease, it grew with softness, it grew in a way that felt really good and dynamic. And I started following that pleasure, that path of, of what feels pleasurable in my business versus some guru says, you have to do you know, eight emails to a webinar, to a free gift, to a launch, to a second launch into the big pro, right? Like instead of doing that, I started following my gut, my, um, uh, actually for me, it's my heart is my decision-making. So following my heart, following my connection to source and designing my business in a way that really aligned with who I am, who I am. And I'll give you an example of that. Um, when last year, when I was getting ready to do my live event, two weeks before COVID hit, um, <laughs> but um, I had had a mentor say, you need to do some webinars to drive people into your live event. And when I went into meditation, first of all, when I hear the word webinar, my body does the 
eh. Um, so I went into meditation. I'm like, but really, should I? Because, <laughs> you know, I got to double check. But really, should I do webinars? And I heard really clearly, don't do webinars. Like, you can hop on, do 15 Facebook Lives. Those are great. But webinars? Uh-uh. And so I follow that. And we had a really successful event. Um, so I just, I followed that kind of guidance. You know, I know the formulas because sometimes you want to wrap them in, but um, it's not about not doing, but it's about following that guidance from the inside out versus a guru telling you this is how it has to be. Yeah, and most of the gurus are men. <laughs> And they talk about smashing it and killing it. And there's so many violent words used for business that are yeah, so nasty. Crush it. Ooh. Let's crush it. Right. And yeah, I'm not a crusher either. And I love that you follow your own heart. So you started this, this business after following your bliss. You're following your heart. And um, it sounds like a lot of people were giving you signs that this was a necessary thing to do in the business world with women who were following this, this like, I got to do it all. And they were exhausted and sick. Yeah. And so, I think that was yeah. the precursor to today. Like I needed to be in that world. I need to be, I needed to be exploring what it meant to be in business in the feminine way. I needed to be leading that so that as we come into the, the great awakening or the unraveling, um, I'm already seeped in the knowledge and can lead my business and, and the women that I'm to serve from that into the new world that's creating. Because we're not going to go back. You know, people talk about, I can't wait for it to go back to normal. That's not happening. There's yeah. a new way coming to being. Totally agree with that. Yeah. So tell us about the presence. So there's a couple of things that I really teach my clients. The first is, is that um, the heart connection is the first place that marketing happens. And I take them through a process of um, actually designing the language that will connect them to their clients. Um, and it's specific words. And we find it through their wounding processes. So when they were children, they were wounded. And when we pull out from those wounds, how they felt and what they craved, that becomes their marketing. That becomes their towards and away from language, if you're familiar with marketing words. But so, so we build this language for them in their marketing first. And then as we begin to put the marketing out there, um, I will teach them how to, to create a story arc using their language that attracts people. So that's step one, you got to connect to the, the heart. Then, um, then you've got to connect with the head because people buy with their heart and they justify it in their head. People don't know they're doing this, but it's how you do anything. It's, if you look at television commercials, they're designed to connect with your heart first, right? You know, if you drive this Lincoln car, you can cruise the open road and be deep and thoughtful like Matthew McConaughey, right? <laughs> Television commercials don't go, and then they go in an undertone, you know, 33 miles per hour per gallon, or 33 miles per gallon, you know, EPA, blah, 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 blah. And that's all this underlying so that your head goes, I want to be Matthew McConaughey. Yes, I can feel it. Details, okay, details match, okay, it's okay for me to buy, 
right? So we have to do both those things in our marketing. We have to appeal to the heart. Um, my mentor calls it appealing to the child, but we, we appeal to the heart and, and we use this language to appeal to the heart. And then we build in the, okay, the head says it's okay because these things match up. The ROI matches. I'm going to get my soulmate if I work with Sandy. So, um, you know, that matches up. Um, so that's the first thing. Then I teach my clients how to design their marketing strategies by going inward first. You got to know the strategy, right? Like I had to do a few webinars so that I understood how to do them so that I would know they weren't for me. So you got to know, you can't just go in and not know what a funnel is and, you know, have a great funnel. You got to know the strategies, but you go inward and then you say, which are the pieces that I'm going to plug in? Am I going to plug in Facebook lives? Yeah, that feels good. Am I going to plug in webinars? No. Am I going to give a free gift? Of course, that feels really luscious and, and joyful. And you design the marketing there. And then you align your actions with what you've designed there and you bring it into physical. I would love for you to give some examples of the wounding words that come into oh, the marketing. Yeah. So um, I'll tell you my wound because um, I've talked about it publicly. I wrote a book. It's all in the book. Um, so my wound is being born a girl. Therefore, um, I am I'm defective. Right. I was born without a penis. I was born without that really important part of the body that determines your value in the world. Um, so that's my wound is being being um, born a girl. And um, so for me, um, some of the the words that I'll use and they're right here. So I'm looking over here at them and I actually I'll show you since we're on video. I have my words written down here so that when I am marketing. I have them right there and I can build it right into any content I'm writing. So, you know, there's um, bitter, small, unimportant, powerless, angry. And I will write those words in. Now, I can use another word for angry, like I can say you're really mad. It won't have the um, heart impact on my people. Here's the other thing that these words do. If you are not my person, and I'm using these words, you're not going to respond. So it's the first filtering. You're going to go, oh, that's a nice email, but you're never going to reach out to me to work with me. So it's that first filtering of working with my right people versus attracting people who aren't mine. Uh, my people want to feel acknowledged. They want to feel connected. They want to feel important. So I can wrap that into my marketing and they go oh, she understands me and we've never had a conversation I need to reach out to her I think that's brilliant I mean I think just being able to find those words and then through those words find your people because you know not everyone is aligned with the same thing I, I have like in my business women of value and high value women are very different and I recently wrote an article comparing and contrasting because to me, high value woman is often thought of as a woman who is kind of passive and allows a man to chase her always. And she just sits back and waits and she never initiates anything. And that is so not what a woman of value is to me. And so I think 
there's confusion around that, but to me, a woman can be assertive and direct, like we spoke about before, and not be aggressive and not be um, and not push away a man who is a planner and who is stepping more fully into his masculine. You know, it's sort of this, it's just very interesting how when we're aware of what we're presenting, we can be much more deliberate about what we receive, which is what you've been saying um, yeah. all along. Um, so let's talk about your plans for the future. What, what do you have going on? Um, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> and I will tell you why. Um, I came into 2020 with this big plan. I knew what my year was going to look like. I'd calendared it out because I can masculine when I need to. <laughs> um, and I'd done the whole process and it takes me a while to do it because it's inward, outward, doing the dance. And then COVID hit and everything changed. And so I've been in this recalibration for the last few months, um, several months, and just seeing how it works works like how do you do how do you do a retreat when you can't gather live right that kind of stuff so um coming up uh, and i published a book in the middle of that so we did a big book lunch so coming next is um i'm actually gathering a group of women to walk with me over the next nine months and craft their business from their feminine um, i'm looking for women who know what it is they're doing, know the transformation they want to make for women, and are ready to be on the forefront of the remaking of the planet, and to build businesses that are completely aligned with their soul's work and their mission here. And there are those of us who are here to lead this this new remaking so that our children and our grandchildren inherit a different world. So I'm, I'm putting together a small group of women to do that now, starting in the fall. And we'll, we'll move forward over the next nine months to do that. And because it's super important, we're going to make a ton of money doing it. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just love, you know, just this big dream of changing the world. I, I do believe that we have such an incredible capacity to do that. And so many people think they don't. I, I was just listening to Tim Ferriss, who was interviewing Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who, uh, whoever doesn't know who he is, he was the chief rabbi in uh, the uh, Great Britain in the United Kingdom for several years, a brilliant writer, and really a humanist more than anything. And he was talking about how, you know, the butterfly effect of doing good in the world mm -hmm. and that we often don't realize the impact we can make. And everybody can be doing more small actions to create this big change. So I am a firm believer in the capacity we have to grow and to be more and to do more and to make a bigger impact. I don't think that we have to be doing the big things. I think mm -hmm. that when we live our soul's mission, that that changes the vibration, that changes our vibration, and it changes the vibration of everyone around us. And like you said, with the butterfly. So it's not like you have to be out leading marches or, you know, 
doing something huge. It's doing your soul, unless your soul's work is to lead marches and do something huge. Right. But when you do your soul's work, whether that be, you know, baking cupcakes or, um, you know, photography or coaching, when you're doing your soul's work, that is your part of changing the world. I'm going to ask you a bunch of quick questions uh, to get even more into what you're all about. So are you ready? I'm ready. Wait, let me take a breath. Okay, let's do it. Okay. All right. The first question is, I used to think I wasn't blank enough. Good enough. Good enough. What was the number one thing holding you back from becoming a woman of value? My own belief in in my value in the world. I'm so sure so many can relate to that. Um, What is the best advice you can give to a woman who wants to become more empowered? Connect with source. Source is your source and you are made of source. Therefore, you are made in the image of the divine. And the image of the divine is just juicy. It has so much power. Uh, What advice would you give to your younger self? If I were to talk to my younger self, I would tell her, that I'm here with her and that she'll be okay. And actually that life will get really, really, really good. If only she knew, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I do that. I do, I do go back. I walk back and, you know, I go back to those time periods that were really hard and I do send my love back there. And I think that's what sustained me to get here, even though I didn't know it at the time. Yeah, it's like uh, so many people just want the script. Just tell me what's going to happen and I'll be fine because we're, we're working so hard to control every piece of it, right? <laughs> we, just, yeah. we just know the ending. All right. What is something that people often get wrong about you? I have heard this in the past that I can be intimidating, which always shocks me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And finally, Julie, how would you like to be remembered? The first thing that pops into my head is um, I want my grandchildren to remember me. Like I was the really fun Grammy that I want them to remember that I loved them and that there was somebody who loved them unconditionally. Um, and I think I would like the world to remember that me that way, that, that, that there were moments when I managed to love unconditionally. Hmm. That's really beautiful. I, I love that you went right to your grandchildren because <laughs> most people are like, I want to be remembered as a kind person who wanted to change the world. And you're like, I just want my kids, my grandkids to <laughs> remember that I love them unconditionally. And that's not small. You know, it's, it's actually huge. Like how many of us really believe that we were loved unconditionally? Right? So yeah. I think that's, it's a, it's, for those of us who were wounded as children um, and didn't get that kind of love, it, it can change over time when you give yourself back that love that you didn't get. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like you are, you are the love, the love bug, bringing love to oh. people who, who need that unconditional love. Thank you. I will receive that. I like that. Oh, good. <laughs> um, So Julie, do you have a a free gift to share with our audience? I do. We have a a guidebook, the Art of Feminine Marketing Guidebook, and it walks you through seven key components of marketing from your feminine. And then from there, if people want more information, we've also, they can go 
to Amazon and they can purchase Love-Based Feminine Marketing, which goes deeper than the guidebook. Um, it's many more pages. And it's like five bucks on Kindle if you go to Amazon and get that. But we'll give you the free guide first. Check it out. If you want more info, then you can order the book. Well, thank you so much, Julie. This has been an enlightening conversation with a kindred spirit. And I really appreciate all that you bring to the world and helping others step into their value and really own who they are as people, as women, and following their own personal guide and not having to listen to what others tell them is the right way to do it. Yes, thank you, thank you. It's been such a joy. There were moments I forgot we were even in the interview. So, <laughs> super fun, thank you. If you would like to step more fully into your value, grab a free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Becoming a Woman of Value on my website, thewomanofvalue.com. Just click the link at the top of the homepage. And if you haven't already done so, be sure to click the subscribe button in your listening app. And if there's something in this episode that inspired you, please share it with others. Because the more we share these inspirational stories, the more women of value we will have in this world. I'll see you next time.